Good evening. It's good to see all of you who are here. Glad to have those with us online. Uh, we don't have our Awana program tonight or our children's program. We do have our youth that are meeting, uh, so we don't have near as many people in the building uh, tonight. But just want to remind you uh, that you can find us on all of those platforms on Facebook, on Twitter, on, on YouTube. Uh, you can see there uh, on, on the screen there all the different uh, little things that you need to look for. HBC Tullahoma on Facebook and Twitter, Highland Baptist Tullahoma on YouTube, and then our phone live streaming. If you need that number, call the church office, if you will, at 931-455-0645. Just leave us a message and we'll get that information back to you just as quick as we can. Uh, if you're here in person and you need that number, see me tonight and I'll make sure uh, that you get that. Uh, also, as you go to HighlandBaptistChurch.com, if you're at home there, be sure to go to our website there. Uh, go over to the info tab. It's just a few tabs over. Uh, click the info tab and it'll drop down. Uh, you'll see there the newsletter that you can download for this new month. Uh, you can find the worship bulletin for this past Sunday that has all the more, the more urgent upcoming events that are coming up. Uh, listed in it. You can also download those children's worship bulletins. If you need any of those bulletins, the regular one or the children's worship ones, children's worship ones are in this window over here if you're here in person. And it's also there that I encourage you to go to that same link to download the prayer list because that's what we'll be looking at tonight. If you're there online, you can go ahead right now and begin commenting in the comments to let us know of any prayer requests. Uh, if there's any updates that you may need to give us from home on these that are on the prayer list, be sure to do that. If you're here in person, be ready uh, to do that here in just a little while when we get, a, get to going over our prayer list uh, here uh, too. And then while you're there on our church website, if you'll go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab, real simple platform there. We have a lot of people who are using that, uh, and so just encourage you to take the time to do that. Even if you're in person, you can use that. Uh, and uh, it's a great resource that we have, a simple platform. You can set it up for a recurring gift. You can set it up for a one-time gift. Uh, there are designations that you can designate your gift to. If you're, if you're giving it as your regular tithes and offerings, just give it to the budget uh, items there, uh, and it'll, be, it'll come uh, straight to that. Uh, otherwise, if you uh, need to give it to the Annie Armstrong, that's there, uh, or some of the other designations that are on there. Uh, also, just want to remind you that uh, Vacation Bible 
school is going to be here before we know it. Uh, we are already into our first week of, of June. Mother's Day is this coming Sunday, so I encourage you to come if you can for this coming Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a great service to honor and recognize our mothers. And then just in a few weeks after that, we'll have our kickoff for Vacation Bible School. And then uh, Vacation Bible School will begin. It's going to be, the kickoff will be June the 4th from 6 to 7.30. Uh, it's going to be in the evening. We're going to be having all kind of games and food and fun. We're going to be having a color run slash walk because I'm walking. <laughs> I don't think I'm running. <laughs> so, uh, but we're going to have that, that color run walk uh, that time also when it's later, when it's not, it may be as hot. Uh, at that time too. And then Vacation Bible School begins that next Monday on June the 6th through the 10th from 6 to 8.30. Uh, it is up on our Facebook page right now uh, as well as Instagram and Twitter uh, that you can be able to uh, click the link to go pre-register for Vacation Bible School or you can scan the QR code on Instagram. Instagram doesn't let you click the link uh, there, so you can just uh, scan the QR code with your phone, bring it up on one device, scan it with your phone on the other, and it'll take you to this same kind of form here to fill out all the information uh, online. If you've already pre-registered with us before, you may want to get in touch with us uh, so that we don't have a duplicate registration in there. We already have your information, and you may not have to fill out everything, but you will have to sign some release forms. So uh, we do have paper versions of that. If you don't, you want to go old school, uh, you can do that also. So uh, those are back here in the hallway and on the table uh, out in the foyer there. And then also, I don't have any more of these tonight uh, of the numbers charts. Uh, actually, I do. I have one because uh, I just had one fall out of my other one here. So I do have one of these. If you need one of the numbers charts that tells you what the numbers uh, are in the book of Revelation and throughout the rest of the Bible uh, as we're going through the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. So I have one of those if you want one of those. And then we have our Revelation prophecy charts uh, that comes from uh, David Jeremiah's Turning Point Ministries. You can go to his website and order the full color version. We just printed just this part as the guide. You'll see part of this in the message uh, tonight. If you need one of these, they're over here on the stage, and you can pick up one of those anytime. Uh, that you need that. We'll look just briefly at it again tonight. So just want to make you aware of that if you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, let us know there. Uh, you can call us, you can email us, uh, let us know that you need one of those, and we'll be glad to get that out to you free of charge. So thank you for joining with us. Thank you all for being here tonight. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. I'm with the preacher on running. I'm not running anywhere. The closest I've come to running was I turned a corner in Gatlinburg a few months ago and came face to face with a black bear. That's the closest I've come to having to run. Uh, but thankfully, it was as scared of me as I was yet. Turn your hymnals to 445 and let's sing Sweet Hour of Prayer. Miss Pat? <laughs> Yes. 
Miss Pat, and hopefully at home there you've had a chance to download your prayer list. If you don't have a prayer list here in person, would you just raise your hand to make sure we get you one of those? I think everybody was able to get one. So be sure if you're there at home, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, uh, if you're on YouTube, go to Facebook, if you will. That's where uh, we'll, you'll see the, let me pull that down in my volume. That's where we'll see the prayer requests. Uh, so if you want to give us a prayer request there, share it there. As I said before, you can email it to us at highlandbaptistcafes.net or highlandbaptisttullahoma at gmail.com. Either one of those works for us, uh, and you can get that to us, and we'll share it. But if you want it shared live tonight, uh, be sure to share it there on Facebook. That's what we'll be looking at for the live uh, prayer requests there. Uh, so as you take a look at your prayer list uh, tonight, uh, there was only a few that we needed to be reminded of. There are several that we've had uh, on the prayer list already that we do want to continue to remember uh, in our prayers. We mentioned Miss Vicki Boswell last week, uh, but just want to continue to remember her in prayer. She has several uh, medical and physical issues that are going on with her, uh, as well as some other things that she's going through. So keep her in your prayer. Uh, Christopher, he's doing good with his broken femur. Uh, he'll be coming back some, sometime this week, later this week. Uh, be home in time for Mother's Day, <laughs> and so uh, he'll be home for the summer. Uh, so just pray for him as he seeks to get a job during the summertime. That's a little bit hard to do when you're a college student, and then limited a little bit with what he can do uh, with his broken femur. So, uh, but he is doing well uh, with everything with that. Uh, Miss Rosalie Moore is doing much better uh, with her situation that she had. Uh, the, a little touch of, of pneumonia and some congested stuff going on. So uh, just continue to keep her in your prayers, but things are going well 
uh, for her. And then I spoke with Linda Hawkersmith. Her hand is healing uh, really well, and we just praise the Lord for that. And then uh, Bertie Davis, just continue to pray for her. Uh, that's a that's a, something that none of us would want to go through, and uh, losing your husband and then eventually losing your kids before you. Uh, and so just remember her in the passing uh, of her son. Uh, and then there were a few that were given to us by Miss um, uh, Vicki Boswell. Uh, those were the two on the right-hand side, Miss uh, Tracy Strobe. Uh, who is having dialysis. Remember her in prayer, as well as Tina Moeller, uh, who is having knee surgery. Uh, and then the other two that are above them, Anna Johnson and Charles Birchfield, just continue to remember both of those. Those were two uh, that I had an opportunity to visit as a chaplain at the hospital, uh, so keep them in your prayers. Um, I don't have any other updates that I know of on any others here. Do you have any updates here? Or if you're there on Facebook, do you have any? Any that you need to add to the prayer list tonight? Janie? Okay. Okay, and so for those of you, especially online, that could not hear that, I remember Janie in your prayers. We don't know the last name, but she was at the senior center, uh, had a spell there with blood pressure or something going on. So uh, just want to remember her in our prayers. Any others? And I saw Linda earlier this week. Yeah, so we were mentioning about Parker Crouch. He's doing well uh, from his surgery and procedures he had to have done. Still having some rehab, but doing really, really well, um, Parker Crouch. Any others? Check one more time here on Facebook to make sure. I don't see any on Facebook there. So if there's no others here in person, let's just go to the Lord in prayer then. Uh, and, and just know that even if you didn't online get a chance to before we gave that prayer request uh, list there, uh, please go ahead and share. We'll check it again one more time at the very end just to make sure that we don't miss uh, your request. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you tonight, Lord, for bringing us into your presence. Lord, we thank you that we can come together and that we are here together to worship you on a Wednesday night, even when all the rest of the kids are not here in the building with us at this time. Lord, I just pray that the summer months that we're entering into uh, as school gets ready to end and then uh, the summer vacation begins, uh, Lord, I just pray that these will be some, some special, precious times to us as we gather uh, studying your word. We pray that you'll bring more to join with us, even those who are online, uh, some are watching us at home. Some are in other places that they're already on trips, but they're watching uh, online tonight. And Lord, I just pray that wherever we may be gathered tonight, whether we're here in person or whether wherever else we may be watching online or listening online, uh, I pray, God, that you will help us to realize that where two or three are gathered together, there we are in your presence. And so, Father, I pray that as we are gathered together, especially 
uh, for this emphasis of a prayer and uplifting these needs in prayer tonight. Uh, Lord, you know each person's heart and each person's life, and, and we just ask God for your healing hand to be upon them. We know, God, that you are a powerful and a capable and able God to do anything. There's nothing beyond your ability to take care of. And so we just uplift all of them into your precious, mighty hands because, uh, Lord, you are an awesome God. You are present everywhere at the same time. You know more intimately than we do and even than doctors and nurses do. We, we thank you, God, for the doctors and nurses and those in the health care uh, fields that, are, that you've given to help take care of us. Uh, Father, we just ask a special blessing upon them and continue to give them wisdom and discernment as they're caring for individuals that are on this list. But we know, God, that you are the great physician. And so we give you the glory and the honor for all that you have done, all that you're doing that even we don't see right now, and all that you're going to do in the days ahead that will bring glory to your name and will bring good into these individuals' lives that we might testify of your grace and your glory and your majesty. Father, as we come into the presence of your holiness and your glory and your majesty, we recognize, Lord, we are sinful creatures. And so we come, Lord, asking forgiveness of our sins. We don't want anything, Lord, to hinder those prayers uh, that we've just uplifted and even others that we're uplifting. Father, I pray that you will wash us and cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Set us, Lord, on the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Lead us and guide us each and every day with the truth of your word, with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, uh, leading us and guiding us to a more faithful walk with you. And Father, I just pray that, that you will forgive us of all of our sins. Help us, Lord, to be more faithful today and in the days to come than we were in the days past. Father, we just uh, continue to pray also not only for these on this list. Lord, I know there are those who are gathered here with us tonight, those who may be at home who can't be here for other reasons. Father, I just pray that whatever requests they may have personally, that maybe they haven't shared with us as a group, you know their hearts and you know their needs and you know the burdens that they're going through. And Father, I just pray that they will come to you and Lord, that they will give those burdens to you and that you will just uh, help them, Lord, to, to continue to walk faithfully with you, even if they have to still continue to go through the valleys that they're going through, the difficulties and trials that they're facing. Father, I pray that they will be able to go through those things knowing that you are with them, that you have not left them nor forsaken them. And Father, I pray that you will uh, use those times that they're going through to be a testimony and a witness uh, to their friends, to their family members, to others uh, who are lost, uh, that you are a loving, caring God who cares about everything in our lives, uh, even what we may seem like to us as the most insignificant things. Uh, and Father, for those who uh, are also Christians, that it will be a testimony and an encouragement to them as they see you at work in our lives, even tonight and in the days ahead, that it will be an encouragement to them uh, in their walk with you also. So bless each one of these on the prayer list. Bless each one of those unspoken requests. We give them all to you, and we ask for your will to be done. And as we come, Lord, to this time to study your word, we, we are always reminded every time we're <clears throat> looking at the book of Revelation 
of that threefold blessing that is there for each and every one of us, uh, that as we read your word in the book of Revelation, as we hear the word of Revelation, and as we keep it, as we obey it, uh, Father, I pray that you'll help us to see uh, the application for our lives, even as we're going through the book of Revelation that is yet speaking about things that are yet to come. Uh, may you help us to see the application for where we are today. And so, Father, I just pray that you will give us that threefold blessing tonight as we read it, as we hear it, and as we keep it in our lives. And we just ask your will to be done. Lead us and guide us through your word tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 7. We're actually going to get into chapter 8, uh, but I did not get a chance to finish chapter uh, 7 last time. I'd entitled that message, In the Eye of the Storm, and that's been a few weeks ago. And so I just wanted to take just a brief moment to remind you as you look at uh, the, the things on the screen that you'll see that, are, that have to do with this list, be sure to get you one of these. Uh, you'll see that uh, we've already gone through the letters to the seven churches in that section. Uh, we've already gone through uh, the seven seals. Uh, which is in that second half of the picture you see on your screens or on the screen here. We are now at this point uh, of the line basically uh, between the seven seals and the seven trumpets. Uh, if you'll remember what we talked about is that each one of these segments that we're going to look at, the seals, the trumpets, and then as you'll see in the last half of this screen, the bowls, each one leads to the next. So when the seventh seal is opened, it leads to the seven trumpets. When the seventh trumpet is sounded, it leads right into the seven bowls or the seven vials, uh, as you'll see. And so that's where we're at. We're still in that beginning half of the Great Tribulation, uh, even in this segment of the seven trumpets. We thought it was bad when the seven seals were opened, and it was. Uh, there were lots of things that were happening. And so this is a guide that can kind of help you as we're going through the book of Revelation, as well as that numbers chart, uh, if you need that. And so we'll get to this section that you see on your screens uh, a little bit later uh, when we get to that thousand-year reign. We get to the great white throne judgment uh, and the new heaven and the new earth as we continue to go through uh, the book of Revelation. But I, I just want to bring you back to verse 9. We actually uh, were just a tad bit further, but I thought that's the best place uh, to go to in this section uh, that we're looking at in, in Revelation 7. Uh, in Revelation 7 and verse 9, we were talking about God's precious salvation. We were talking about that 144,000 that was listed in the first half of chapter 7, and then the second half is this great multitude from every nation. And so that's what verse 9 is talking all about. Verse 9 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hands. And we talked about how that reminds us uh, back to when Jesus came in the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem with palm branches in their hands as they, they yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna, uh, glory to God in the highest. Uh, and so uh, as we looked here in verse 9 and then verse 13 and verse 14, we saw their unmistakable identity. Who are uh, these people that, that John is seeing here, this vast group that he talks about in verse 9? Who are they? Well, uh, that very question was asked of John in verse 13 
which says, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and where, from where have they come? And then the answer is given to him, or, or he, he gives the answer. He says, I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood uh, of the Lamb. And, and so these are the tribulation saints that we read about already uh, back in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, uh, where it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. And so these are the tribulation saints. These are the tribulation Christians who refuse to take the mark of the beast. Their blood is going to flow like a mighty river, uh, but it will be like an everlasting testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we notice their number in verse 9. Uh, Jesus said uh, that there would be more people uh, in hell than there would be in heaven, but I'm afraid sometimes we get the idea that there'll be, there won't be many people in heaven. Uh, here we're told uh, that just the number of people who are in heaven uh, that were killed during the tribulation are so great, the Bible says in verse 9, nobody can number them. That's how many there were. Nobody could number them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, sometimes we think, you know, I don't like big church. When you get to, when you get to heaven, it's going to be a big church. It's going to be a big uh, worship service there. You know, a lot of us think, well, I like my little small church. But there it's going to be everybody worshiping together, not segmented into this group and that group and our own little click here and our own little click there. Uh, what we're going to see is it's going to be uh, tongues and tribes and peoples and nations and languages standing before the throne and the Lamb uh, that are going to be worshiping. Uh, we talked about their nationality uh, in, in verse 9. That There are two things the church in America uh, needs to be sure that we wake up and, and realize that America doesn't have a monopoly on Christianity. Uh, it used to be that the Christian light shined brightest in America, but that's no longer true uh, today. Uh, the, the fires of revival are shining more brightly many times than in other places around this world. You think about Africa, you think about Korea, South America. Someone once said, while America has been put to sleep by the chloroform of humanism and materialism, other nations are greatly awakened to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is working all around this world. We may not see that as much here in America as going on because uh, as a whole, not to say that we all have, but as a whole, we see our nation is not where it used to be in following uh, after Christ. And so this verse tells us that the gospel is going to be heard uh, throughout the entire world. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then shall the end come. Uh, and so we see here the results of the gospel being preached. And, and we saw the, the nature of that. We see their robes that they're wearing, those robes of, of purity. Uh, and that remind us there of the palm branches crying, Hosanna, blessed is the Lord uh, who comes and, and those who come in the name of the Lord. Uh, we also saw their unhindered vitality in verse 10 through verse 12. Uh, we saw the, sh the shouts of praise uh, the, and, and uh, notice here that this worship that we see here uh, is, is contagious. And those shouts of praise are literally rocking the walls of heaven as the saints praise God for their salvation. Uh, verse 11 and verse 12 said, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before.
before the throne and worship God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And so what a worship service that's going to be. Uh, there they are, they're standing and they're shouting and they're singing and they're waving these palm branches of praise and glory and adoration. To me, that's a picture of unbridled, unhindered worship. Uh, and, and, you know, you think about that. When, when God is in your presence, that's the way worship ought to be. And that's the way worship is going to be when we get to heaven. And so we, we talked about that and we talked also uh, about how when you get to thinking about how Jesus came to this earth, how he died for us, how he saved us, how he filled us with the Holy Spirit, how he's preparing a home for us in heaven, that ought to make us feel like shouting ourselves for what he's done to us. And then this is where we left off last time. We saw their unending activity. Verse 15. Their unending activity. Verse 15 says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God. And notice when they're before the throne of God. They are serve him day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. You're not a morning person. It ain't going to matter when you get to heaven. You're not a night person. It's not going to matter when you get to heaven. We're all going to be there night and day worshiping the Lord in, in, the, in the shelter of his presence. That word serve there is in the present tense, which literally means that they continuously served God and, and they did it day and night. There's no shift work in heaven. Uh, there, there's, uh, there's not an eight hours on and eight hours off. There's no vacations. There's no retirement. Uh, there's no coffee breaks. <laughs> you're going to be serving the Lord there forever. But guess what? You're never going to get tired. Like we do here when this whole body feels like giving out. You worked eight hours shift and you're like, I'm just exhausted. That's not going to happen in heaven. Uh, there are some people who think heaven, though, is a place where we're going to sit around with our halo on our head and, and, and on a fluffy cloud, playing some harp, uh, eating grapes, or having somebody feed us grapes all the time, being fanned by an angel. Well, let me tell you, that's not heaven. Heaven is a place where you're going to serve God. In the Old Testament, only the priests and the Levites could serve God. But in heaven, every Christian can and will serve the Lord. And so you may be rusty, you may be reluctant, but you need to get ready. Uh, you know, I praise the Lord that there aren't going to be any backseat Sunday morning Christians in heaven uh, to sit, to soak, and to sour. Everybody's going to serve our great God. Someone asked Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, on one occasion and said uh, what he wanted to do when he got to heaven. And Spurgeon used to say that when he got to heaven, he wanted to stand at the corner of one of the streets and proclaim to the angels the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And then we see in these verses their unmatched security. Their unmatched security. Notice verse 16 and verse 17. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. So you think about that. Serving the Lord, you're like, here, man, the sweat's a pouring. I'm sweating tonight. It's preaching. Just preaching. I'm not doing manual physical labor, but I'm sweating up here. 
And he says there's not going to be any of that scorching sun, sweating, heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Whew, what a day when he wipes away those tears. You know, the tribu- these tribulation saints that we see in these verses, that it endured the worst that the world had to give them, they're going to now, in these verses that we see here, enjoy the best that God has to offer them. We're told that the Lord sustains them in verse 16. The Lord meets every single need that they have. They no longer have any needs. You know, the verse that the psalmist gives us in Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's going to be totally, completely filled, fulfilled in heaven. You're not going to have any wants. You're not going to have any needs anymore. All of those are going to be met. Uh, and, and so we see that they no longer have any need. We won't need food because they'll no longer hunger. You won't need water because you'll no longer thirst. Uh, they won't need shade because there'll be no sunshine to shine down on them. Uh, the Lord shepherds them in verse 17. And so what an amazing turnabout in these verses, if you go back and look at what we didn't look at again tonight, it begins there uh, with him as uh, the, the lamb uh, who is the Lord, and the Lord is now my shepherd. So it talked about him as a lamb at the beginning. Now he transitions to being the shepherd of the lambs. And so we see the Lord soothes them. Uh, these tribulation saints... Uh, they had walked uh, down the path of herd in life. Uh, they had exited this world uh, through a gate of grief. They left behind them a trail of tears. Uh, and, and he says, You're gonna, they're going to have every tear wiped away from their eyes. It's going to be a wonderful thing when we get to heaven where the Lord is going to be our shepherd forever and ever and ever. But notice back in verse 15, that one word that begins verse 15. Therefore... Do you know why someday we'll be before the throne of God serving him? Why someday he'll dwell among us? Why someday he will shepherd us and sustain us and soothe us and strengthen us? It's because of what verse 14 said. It's because of the blood of the lamb. We're saved by the blood of the lamb. We're sealed by the blood of the lamb. We stand before God by the blood of the Lamb. And we only have a home in heaven because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of the sovereignty of God. Because of the seal of God. Because of the salvation of God. For the child of God, there's always peace in the midst of the storm. And so that leads us then into chapter 8. So we've been having this little, what what you might call in chapter 7, a parenthetical type break here from uh, what we had been reading about in chapter 6 with the seals going one after another after another. And then we had this little break to explain some things. I want you to see in this part the silence and the trumpets. Uh, Read verse 1 with me, if you will. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal... As we said before, each one of those seventh ones opens to the next set. When he opened the seventh seal, who opened it? The lamb did, because he's the only one worthy that we found out before. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Have you ever had a gift 
that's been given to you. Uh, I remember one time we did this to my mom where we gave her a gift and put it in, it was in a little small box, and we put that box in a bigger box, inside a bigger box, inside a bigger box, inside a bigger box. It was about six or seven, maybe eight boxes until it was this big giant box uh, that was all wrapped up and, and gave it to her, and, and she's unwrapping it, and, and the anticipation's building with every box that you come to. You're like, where is it? And sometimes you get a little frustrated. You're like, when am I going to get to it? And, and so when you're opening each one of those boxes, the anticipation intensifies until you get down to that last box, which better be good, or you're going to feel let down from having to go through all those boxes to get to it. And your family may not be trying to postpone the joy, but they're just trying to prolong the suspense. And it just keeps building the anticipation one after another after another. Well, we've already seen how God's judgment ha has been wrapped up in the seven sealed scroll and each one of those seals being opened one after another and we're like whoa wow and it keeps building the anticipation with each seal and those first six seals have already been broken and with their breaking we've seen war We've seen desolation, we've seen destruction, we've seen disaster on an unprecedented scale. Now we see those kinds of things today, but this is going to be on an unprecedented scale. Uh, those on the earth during this time are, are surely going to think the end has come. And you may be thinking that as you're waiting for this seventh seal to open. Surely that's going to be it. And, the, and, and the, with the opening of this seventh seal, rather than finally experiencing the end, we're just simply ushered into another period uh, of judgment uh, introduced by these blowing of these seven trumpets that are even more terrible and even more horrible than the seals uh, ever were uh, and, and that were experienced during that opening. And so when the seventh trumpet is blown, we're going to see there's going to be seven bowls of even greater judgment than the trumpets are uh, that are poured out upon this earth. And so each series of judgments continues to intensify even more and more. And so the question is, why? Why? Why doesn't God just poof, open it all and get it over with quickly? Well, here's one thing we need to realize. It's not to prolong the agony. It's not to prolong the judgment on people, to keep them hurting and to keep them suffering. It's not at all about that. It's not to prolong the agony. Rather, it's to postpone the finality of the judgment. Ezekiel 33, verse 11, gives us the answer. Here's what God says through Ezekiel. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And so we see there the very answer given to us back in the book of Ezekiel. God isn't getting any pleasure with every one of these seals that are open, and now these trumpets, and eventually uh, through these uh, bowls that will be poured out. And so with the opening of the seven seals, we see a world that is ruined by sin. And with the blowing of the seven trumpets, we see a world that is ruled by Satan. Because we're going to be introduced in these trumpets to Satan's Superman, if you will, 
Uh, he's been waiting in the wings while the sealed judgments were, were tearing this world apart and reducing this earth to chaos. People are going to be ready for anyone just so long as he's wise enough, as he's powerful enough to restore peace and, and sanity back to this world. And this satanic superman, if you will, is going to be standing in the wings ready to take over when the time is right. So with the emptying of these seven bowls that we're going to see later, you're going to see eventually a world rescued by the Savior. So we see that all this tribulation period is simply the movement of history towards the coming of Jesus Christ. So as we study these seven trumpets, uh, it's, it's wise for us to notice some things, first of all, about these trumpets, that the first four trumpets, the first four trumpets are war trumpets, while the last three trumpets are woe trumpets. They're woe trumpets. With the blowing of the first four there's an intensification of the havoc uh, that's brought with the opening of the sixth seal. And, and with the blowing of these trumpets, uh, we're being ushered into that period of time known as the Great Tribulation. So we're in, getting into the thick of the Great Tribulation here, if you will, during, this tri during these trumpet uh, sounding. So I want you to see in these verses here in chapter 8, the silent deliberation, a silent deliberation in verse 1. You know, because you get the picture of what heaven was like in all the previous chapters. What had they been doing? They've been worshiping in heaven. They've been shouting. They've been praising. They've been celebrating around the throne, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. And before this scene, it's been a place of worship, a place of praise and of joy, of adoration. But now it's so quiet, you could literally hear a pin drop. You could hear the rustling of angels' wings. For the first and the only time in all of eternity, heaven is absolutely quiet. Could you do that? I mean, we have such a hard time in our day and time just sitting and being still. The Bible tells us in, in the Psalms, in Psalm 4610, to be still and know that I'm God. We have a hard time with that in our culture today. We have just so much noise and so many things around us. But in heaven in that day, it's going to be total silence, not just for a minute, but for 30 minutes, for the space of half an hour. It's almost as if heaven is holding its breath, waiting to see what in the world is going to happen next. It's already been bad with these seals. What could possibly happen next? I mean, think of this. Think of a courtroom where a man's on trial for his very life. The jury comes back in. The judge asks the foreman, have you reached a verdict? And the foreman says, yes, we have. And the judge says, well, what's your verdict? And just imagine standing there in silence for 30 minutes. You're like, come on, tell us. Somebody speak up. Or, or think of uh, the example of a person who's been told that they have a terminal illness. And, and they're waiting in the doctor's office. And the doctor comes in. He's, he's holding the x-rays. He's looking at the x-rays. And the person says, Doc, what's, what's the diagnosis? And the doctor, he just stares. And, and he doesn't say a word for 30 minutes. That'd drive you up the wall, wouldn't it? 30 minutes of him not saying anything. Just tell me. I want to know. In both cases and in both places... There would be a shattering sound of silence that would be louder than any other noise that you've ever heard. And that's what the silence in heaven is like. Complete 
silence. No humming of, I can hear the humming of the, the fans on, on our projectors right now. But you wouldn't hear any of that. Total, complete silence. What's the reason for this silence? What's the reason for this silence? Why has the curtain of silence fallen over heaven? It's because the final curtain of history is about to be raised. The trumpet is about to sound. The final chapter of time, as we know it, is about to be revealed. All of heaven is like they're absolutely frozen in awe at what they're seeing. You know, many times uh, before a bad storm hits, before even a tornado hits, (coughs) people talk about it getting deathly quiet and, and strangely still. But then the tornado comes. This silence is the calm before the storm. Because God's intensified thunderbolts of judgment are about to be hurled to this earth. The prophet Zephaniah said back in Zephaniah in chapter 1 and verse 7, Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. Half of an hour. That may not seem like a long time to us, but in a time of terror, in a time of horror, of these unveiling of the seals before this, the the time of danger here, a minute could seem like an eternity. And and so God's trumpets of judgment are about to blow. Look at verse uh, 2 here in chapter 8. Then I saw the seven angels. So it's as if the curtain rises and out come seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Nothing can shatter the silence like the penetrating blast of a trumpet. Trumpets in the Bible were many times used for various purposes. Sometimes they were called, used to call people to worship. Sometimes they were used to call people to to work. Sometimes they were used to call people to war. But only the priests were the ones who were qualified to blow the trumpets. Uh, There were different sounds for each occasion. So when they blew the trumpet, say, to come to worship, that was a different sound than if they blew the trumpet to come to work, and that was a different sound than if they blew the trumpet to come to war. Could you imagine uh, the, the, all the sounds to be all the same? You wouldn't know what you're doing. Are we coming to fight or are we coming to worship? Uh, you know, so sometimes they're, they're used for that. And so it was important that the priests blow the trumpet with the proper sound. You could just imagine how important that was for warfare, not to be confused with the sound of worship. That's why Paul says in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 8, and if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So if it's a sound you didn't recognize for preparing for battle, who would get ready for battle? And, and so these seven trumpets are given to us to prepare the great, for the great day of God's wrath. They're to prepare the earth for the day of judgment. And that's why God doesn't want one wrong note to be hit. Each one of these trumpets is to be played at the right time, in the right key, because they aren't worship trumpets. It's too late for worship. These aren't work trumpets Because the night has come when no man shall work. These are war trumpets because God has now declared war on the world that has rejected his only son. 
And just like when you read back in the Old Testament that the walls of Jericho uh, fell when that, uh, the, with the seven trumpets, that seventh time when they blew those, uh, those walls of this world are going to come tumbling down when God's angels blow their judgment trumpets. And so uh, it, what we see here is this then that we're all going to say what verse 15 says over in chapter 11. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So we see the reason for the silence, but we also want to see the reaction to this silence. What's the reaction to this silence? Well, look at verse 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. So a a censer is a vessel that holds incense. Incense in the Bible was a symbol of prayer and intercession. You go back to Psalm, to the psalmist, uh, Psalm 141 verse 2 says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And so this incense represents the prayers of God's people. So notice that the censer contains the prayers of all the saints. That means all of the prayers of all of the saints throughout all of the ages are in heaven during this time. We sometimes even think ourselves that, that God doesn't hear our prayers or, or, or he doesn't, if he does hear them, he forgets them. Well, it's going to be a tremendous encouragement to us in our prayer life to know that all true prayer is heard and no true prayer is forgotten. God not only hears our prayers, he holds our prayers. Every prayer, every prayed by a child of God is stored in heaven's vault. God puts everyone into his heavenly scrapbook, if you will, because they are precious to him. And so God hears our prayers and he holds our prayers. And one day God will heed them and honor them. But we're also taught something else here. Did you know that the coming of the judgment of God, the wrath of God, the kingdom of God, the son of God is simply an answer to the prayers of God's people. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That sounds to us like a harmless prayer, but that prayer is actually a request for the wicked to be destroyed, for the righteous to be restored, and for the Savior to return and to rule and reign over this world. And for that to happen, all of these things that we've already talked about so far have got to come to pass for that final part to happen. The prayers of the saints are involved in the judgment of sinners. So here's what we see in verse 4. And verse 5, it says, And the smoke of the incense, with the prayers of the saints, rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. So when these prayers ascend to God, the judgment descends from God. And so it's only after the prayers went up did the judgment come down. And Now understand this, the altar is a place of sacrifice. The place of sacrifice is a place of judgment. 
It's on the altar that our sins in the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints, their sins would be judged as they offered that sacrifice. But they'd have to do that year after year until Jesus came and was offered on the altar of the cross as a once for all sacrifice. The judgment fell on him because God's fire always falls on the altar of sacrifice. But if you reject God's sacrifice, then the fire of judgment has to fall on you. Somebody has to pay for the sin. And so either you have to pay for your sins or you accept the free gift of Jesus paying for your sins. And so notice that the altar isn't just a place of sacrifice. It's also a place of judgment because if you accept the sacrifice, you avoid the judgment. But what happens if you reject the sacrifice of Jesus? You get the judgment. So we learn in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26 and verse 27, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So we have to keep in mind that God's judgment is being poured out upon this earth, not because of what the earth has done, but because of what this earth hasn't done. They haven't received the free gift of salvation. You know, sometimes we think we go to hell because of our sins. Understand this, that Jesus died for our sins. So if a person goes to hell, it's not because of what they did, but rather because of what they failed to do. They failed to receive the gift, the free gift of Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. That's what sends us to hell. You have the choice yourself. And so then we see the shattering desolation. That silence that's been in heaven, that silence in heaven is broken by the piercing sound of the first trumpet. And so notice what happens in these verses. With the blowing of these war trumpets, uh, we're going to see uh, destruction. So uh, I don't know if I put these in order on the screen there, but we'll see verse 6 says, now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. And so here's that first trumpet that's getting ready to sound. And with the blowing of these war trumpets, we see destruction and desolation. We're going to read through this in just a moment. That's unparalleled in human history. When God marches through this world, we're told that one third of the earth, as we know it, is going to be destroyed. <clears throat> now, there are some who interpret these figures uh, in, in these verses symbolically. Uh, they don't take the judgments as literal physical judgments upon the earth, but I do. I, and I'll give you three reasons why I take these verses literally. First of all, because of the words of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who said in Luke chapter 21 and verse 25 and 26, he said, and there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity, because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And so we have the words of the Savior, but we also have the witness of the Scripture. The prophet Joel prophesied about these exact physical events taking place. Uh, Joel chapter 3, uh, and, or chapter 2 and verse 30, uh, that says, And I will show wonders in heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The prophet Isaiah prophesied uh, of similar events taking place. In Isaiah 13 verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord comes cruel with wrath and fierce anger uh, to 
make it the to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it, from the stars of the heavens and their constellations uh, will not give their light. The sun will be dark as it, at, at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. But then we also see that there is also the wickedness uh, of the sinner. Uh, because Isaiah said these things would come to pass as a response to evil upon the earth. If you go on to verse 11 in that same chapter, he says, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. So as we look at the blowing of these four trumpets, we see that each trumpet brings with it a different type uh, of physical destruction. A different part of the earth is affected. So the first ones are found in verse 6 and verse 7. We see the fiery storm. Uh, so just pick on up, if you will, with verse 7. This first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the heaven was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all, the, all green grass was burned up. So think of it. If you just limited this judgment to America, imagine one-third of America's forests on fire, one-third of the waves of the fields of grain and the, a third of the fruited plains of America becoming a parched desert. Think about how that would affect the food supplies. We think we've got food problems now. The Greek word for trees here usually means fruit trees. Also, the destruction of the pasture lands. Think about all the land that the cows and, and cattle have to eat on and, and other uh, meats that we eat. It would devastate the meat and the milk industry. Uh, think of the choking smoke from all of that burning that's going on. Uh, I mean, we think of when we see uh, the fires that are happening out in, in New Mexico and stuff, how that would be just so horrible to have to breathe, this choking smoke, the air pollution that would come from this. Did you know that the United States has already deforested the land to the point that the country contains only enough vegetation to produce 50% of the oxygen that it consumes? Think again how many birds of the air how many animals uh, of the field would die? Uh, the, the balanced scales of our ecological system as we know it would be tilted dangerously to the side of total destruction if you just limited that judgment to America. This is all over the world that this happens. Then notice the filthy sea in verse 8 and verse 9. The second angel blew his trumpet. And something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. So remember that the oceans cover three-fourths of the world's surface. So if one-third of the oceans are contaminated, that means that one-fourth of the entire world would be covered with blood. These fish would die in record numbers. If a third of the ships were to be destroyed, the shipping industry, uh, military uh, from, from uh, different nations and even our own nation uh, would be in total chaos. Major oil spills that happen today would just look like a speck on the kitchen table. Imagine the beaches that we think of with oil on them bathed in blood, ships washing up on the shore uh, like the sands of the sea. And then notice the fallen star in verse 10 and verse 11. The third angel blew his trumpet. 
And a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters become Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it was made bitter. And no one knows exactly how many stars there are. We can't even see all of the stars because uh, there are untold numbers of stars uh, in the solar system and galaxies that even the most powerful telescopes uh, don't see. But God has numbered them, and he knows just how many of them there are, and he knows who they are because God has not only numbered them, he's also named them. Psalm 147 verse 4 says, he determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. And we're told here that about of the, all the untold, uncounted, unseen stars in the universe, God has set aside a special star to carry out his judgment. He's given this star the name of Wormwood. Wormwood is a plant that is found in Palestine. Uh, horticulturalists tell us uh, that the wormwood is, is among the most bitter-tasting plants on the earth. And so when this star falls into the fresh waters uh, of this world, the rivers and the streams and the lakes become so bitter to taste that it can't be humanly consumed. In fact, the word wormwood literally means undrinkable. And could you just imagine how many people will die of thirst in one day? You know, one of the greatest poems ever written is one titled The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. It was written almost 700 years ago by Samuel Taylor Coleridge, and it contains one of the most famous lines written in all of human literature, water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. Speaking of a man on a ship out in the sea, you can't drink that salt water. Water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. That's a perfect description of this terrible day. So to put that into perspective, to show you just how terrible this day is going to be for mankind, remember that 97% of the world's water is ocean water. And it's not even fit for drinking. And so of the 3% of water that is fresh, only 75% of that water is found, uh, well, not only, but 75% of that is found at the two poles in the form of ice at the two poles, North and South Pole. A, a large portion of the remaining fresh water is trapped as fossil water deep under the earth. So at this time, only 36% of all the world's fresh water is available in a drinking form on the earth's surface for us to drink. That means that only, that only one-fourth percent of one percent of the world's water would be available to drink during this time that we're reading about here. I heard some statistics the other day, not too long back, about Canada. Canada has 20% of the world's freshwater supply. But then think about this, then, then couple that with just how dependent we as human beings are on water. Water comprises 65% of the human body. The human kidney is 83% water. The brain is 75% water. Muscle is 76% water. Blood is 83% water. Bone is 22% water. And so you can just see the havoc and the chaos that would cause by the pollution of the water on this earth. And then we see the failing sun in verse 12. Notice verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from the shining, and likewise a third of the night. Now, I don't think you have to go into much detail uh, to tell us the ecological effect that that would have upon the earth. Knowing that the sun is the source of light and energy, and for growing plants, we sometimes complain about the bright light of the sun in the summers months, and that burning heat of the sun, but maybe we don't always appreciate just how uh, good God has been... Has 
has given us the sun. Uh, which is more important, the moon or the sun? Sometimes we think like the little boy, it's the moon when he said, uh, the moon gives us light at night when we need it, and the sun gives us light in the daytime when we don't need it. <laughs> you know, the fact of the matter is the sun gives us light at all times. Without the power and the heat and the light of the sun, you can't grow vegetables. You couldn't grow fruit. You couldn't grow grain. You couldn't have food to feed us and to sustain us. Why is it that only one-third of the earth and the sky is affected in these judgments? Why is it that the judgment of God is limited here? Why, why doesn't he just let loose all of his judgment all at once and get it over with? Well, like we've said before, God doesn't delight in the perishing of the wicked. Second Peter 3 and verse 8 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. God oversees his judgment with a firm hand, but also with a broken heart. And that closes us with verse 13, with the solemn declaration. Verse 13 says, Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. The war trumpets have been blown, but the woe trumpets are yet to sound. So what verse 13 simply means is this, the worst is yet to come. The world is crying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, but, but God is saying, whoa. God's greatest judgment is yet to come to those who dwell on the earth. There's two words in the Greek language for people who live on this earth. One word simply means people who live on the earth because that's where all living people live. But the word used here refers to a certain kind of people who not only live on the earth, but they're living for the earth. It refers to the people who have settled down, who have put roots into this world, who have made their world not only their home, but also their God. As you know, the Bible says this, James 4, 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. God is giving one more warning before the gavel of his judgment comes down. Someone has said that there are over 600 warnings in the Bible about hell. These woes represent God's last warning to a lost and rebellious world. God can lower the gates of warning, sound the bells of alarm, flash the red light of danger, but he cannot keep you from crossing the tracks into destruction. That decision is up to you. You don't have to go to hell if you don't want to. Because if you'll accept the judgment of God for your sins, the judgment that was placed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can avoid the judgment that is to come. You haven't seen anything yet. Let's pray. Father, as we very humbly see these first for trumpets of judgment. Lord, I pray that it would humble us in our hearts.
to make sure that as believers, Lord, we're sharing with people as much as we can before that day comes as you open opportunities for us to share with others the good news of the gospel. Father, I pray for those who need to receive that good news of the message of the gospel, that they would do that before it's too late, before the judgment finally comes for them. Whether it comes in these last days of the great tribulation, or whether it comes in their life being taken, and there's no more opportunities to receive that free gift of grace. Father, I pray that you will bless us from the reading of this word and the hearing of this word to keep it in our hearts, to be faithful to share and to be faithful to receive that free gift. Bless your word tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I know we're a few minutes over, but wanted to finish that piece in Revelation 7 we missed last time. Uh, you join us again next Sunday, uh, 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship online. We'll be back. We won't be having service on Sunday night because of Mother's Day, and we'll be back next Wednesday uh, to continue our study in Revelation chapter 9 in the book of Revelation. So thank you for joining us. Uh, make sure didn't see any prayer requests. So you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.